0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, I'm actually with my father, Miles Spodak. Um, and we wanted, I dragged him over here and he's like, what am I doing here? And I said, well, you know, it's very rare that you can find a father son that can actually go through a transition and wind up working together successfully. And when we have our summits and we have our masterminds, it's, it's incredible how many dentists actually practice with family. So me being a third generation dentist and you know, dad working with grandpa for a very, very short amount of time, there's a unique perspective here. And I think it's valuable for all the listeners that actually have um, worked with their family, either for a day, a week, a year, a decade or more. And you and I have worked together since 1998. So that puts us at like 24 years. So, uh we're in rare air that we were able to successfully navigate it, but I don't want to misrepresent it. it was not always easy. And there was a dynamic of mom being in the practice too, so it's not just a father-son relationship, but a father-mother-son, and it's hard. So, first of all, thanks for spending time with the listeners. To yeah. Um, have you ever listened to a podcast before of ours? I might. I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. You ever read my book before? Yes. Really? Come on, Dad don't no, no, bullshit it's, it's, it's the first line I got to <laughs> did you read the entire book uh, no oh, isn't that incredible so it's so funny never I don't, been I don't read very
1: much yeah, but you know how to read don't you uh, that's one
0: of the few things I do okay, good, okay. so it's kind of funny you know my, my wife is similar to you she's like I don't need to read your book I hear all your bullshit all the time <laughs> she always says that to me <laughs> Uh, it's so funny she won't she won't show up to anything she won't like listen to any podcast or something I can't hear your shit all the time anyway so dad let's rewind back when grandpa harry so how long so you graduated dental school in 66 66
1: 66 from temple right and grandpa's practicing harry spodek's
0: practicing
1: in brooklyn new york right he started his practice in 1938 he went to dental school at the university of illinois class of 1938 okay
0: class of 38 so he works. Does he work with Grandma Ruth or no? Is he solo. No, no, he worked. He worked pretty much by himself with one assistant. Okay, and that it was, was a, an office was a, in the house, right? Yeah, it was a very small office. Okay, so you join. Um, you join.
1: You go right out of school and go right to him, right? Or did you go to the army first? No, I, in 1966 it was the middle of the Vietnam War, so I had to go into the service. I I spent two years in the army as a captain. Army Dental Corps. Okay, so right when you get out, you go to Harry. Yeah, 1968, uh, we moved back to New York, and I worked with my dad for about a year. A full year. Yeah, but I knew that I wanted to have my own practice. What reason? What was wrong with that one, or what was? The well, deal? I didn't want to live in the city. I wanted to live in the suburbs. And uh, somebody had told me, just pick a place you want to live, that you like, and just and just open a practice. And, yeah, you've always said that. I like that,
0: by the way. I mean, it's nice. You also said one thing that I remember you was telling me: if it has a Cadillac dealer
1: or a Mercedes dealer, you can do well there. Yeah, well, I stole that line from a uh, from a well-known uh, dental lecturer, I think. Okay, got it. Well, no, no, you don't have to admit
0: stuff like that. You just take it as your own. I'm <laughs> really <credited> with that. <laughs> I'm very honest. But I did I, d- 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 I, I know. <laughs> I, um, I'm,
1: uh, I'm I'm honest too but I don't mind a little bullshit
0: I'm gonna get but um, one thing that's interesting is I was once giving a lecture out in Naples Florida and maybe it was not Naples it was a surrounding community of Naples it was in a lecture and um, I met somebody in the audience and um, they said hey you know where I practice people can't afford a blah, blah 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 and I said you know how far away from this hotel do you practice they said well right literally um, two miles I'm like well, There's a Mercedes-Benz dealership like three minutes away. Don't you think they have better demographics than we as dentists do? So obviously, there's a need to support a Mercedes dealership, but I think it's a good little point for people. If you want to practice in a certain area, you love it, and it has a car dealership of those magnitudes or good Starbucks and good retail development, the demographics are probably there. And fortunately, nowadays, we have great demographic services that you can purchase to know what the areas if there's underserved or overserved, and the socioeconomic factors that can support the practice. But anyway, we digress. You go to work with Grandpa Harry. Um, what was that like? Talk to me about that first year. I know you didn't want to be there, but how was your relationship and then working with
1: them? It was good. It was very good. It was, a, you know like uh, transitioning patients from his practice to me was a little tricky because I was a pretty young guy at the time. And a lot of the patients, you know, were reluctant to same see Same like him. us. And, I think same like us. And I remember one story that was really, really interesting that this patient had an emergency issue. And my father said, well, I can't see you, but my son is here. You know, give him a try, you know, see how things work out. So I treated him and after I treated him, he, says, he said to me, you know, I really love your dad. But when he worked on me, it was like he was changing a tire in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I felt really good about that, that I was able to transition one of his patients to me. And I worked yeah. with him for about a year, but the office was very, very small. I'm sorry. I think it was it was probably like 400 square feet, which yeah. is tiny. It was, too it was in the house, right? It was one of those type of deals? Yeah, it was in the house. It was two, two operatories, very cramped, a small waiting room, and not much else. And I just felt like I wanted to do something on my own. Yeah. I didn't want to live in New York City. I wanted to live in the suburbs. Right, So that's when I decided to open my own practice. This is a funny story. You're reminding me of this. When, you,
0: when we came together to work here, you were probably like, this is going back like five or ten years ago. You're in your, your 70s at that point. And a patient wants to see, saw you. And said at the very end of the appointment, hey, doc, you were great. But I want to see your father next time. They thought you were. <laughs> you, so you're in your 70s. i So mean, I mean, like, that. you're awesome, yeah. but I want to see your dad. You're like, my dad is like a 100, would be a 100. Is like, you're too young.
1: <laughs> so then, so you leave dad, and there's no drama around that. No, like no, no. He no. was cool. Well, he was a little disappointed. He had His his intention was for me to take over his practice. Got it. So, you know, I really. Maybe foiled his plans, but I I wanted wanted to be out on my own. Got it. So, was it really about being out on your
0: own or being in the suburbs? Because you're kind of saying, so I was more like being in the suburbs. I just okay. didn't want to live okay. in the Okay. So, it wasn't this need to individuate, like, and do something totally different? Just so you couldn't see yourself living in the city. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. That's a different distinction. Yeah. Because a lot of dentists, like, don't want to. Fall into the shadow of their parents for other reasons. You just had a like a real practical issue. Couldn't see yourself practicing there. Right. That's true. That's that's a big distinction. So so then you go out to New City. Right.
1: Um, and then how long were you there? I opened a practice in New City in 1969, and uh, at that time my in-laws uh, had moved to Florida, so we were we were going down to Florida for vacations. Yeah. And I never really had much exposure to Florida other than when I was a kid. I mean, my parents used to go there. I used to go with them. But I never realized how nice Florida really was, especially in the wintertime. And I had to practice. I started to practice in 69. And in 1973, I took the Florida boards. Yeah. With the intention of just having the board, not really wanting to move at that point, I really was okay. I liked the house. I liked the neighborhood. I had a fairly good practice, and I didn't have any intention of moving. But I remember it was probably around Thanksgiving time, just about this time of year, in 1973 or 74, just after I had passed the Florida boards, and I remember it was starting to get dark about three o'clock, three yeah, in the cold. afternoon. And, and the mamas and the papas were singing, all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray. And I said, that's it. I'm moving to Florida. Yeah, you're done.
0: Yeah, I'm done. I moved to Florida. But the cool thing is, i not started to end up the story, is like when you got here, like you didn't realize how unsuccessful, or maybe that's the wrong word to use, how much more successful you were. Absolutely. So the first year in this in this practice that you opened with uh, Uncle Marshall in Delray, right? you did more and more crowns in one year than like your
1: last five years. That's or true. True. The practice in in New City was uh, mostly kids. The average age of a person in New City was 16 years old. My practice was mostly a pediatric practice. I saw a lot of kids. Uh, so that was <laughs> that was really tough. But you know, I I did it because right. that was normal for the area. Right. And, uh, you know, the parents would send the kids in. They'd say, if my kid comes out alive, I'll come and see you. And that's what. Yeah, exactly. That's how I got the adults in the Okay, way. so let's fast forward all the way through. So you're busy, you're
0: doing your thing, you got a great reputation, you're working here for basically 25 years. I'm in dental school, and I'm not sure if I want to go back to Florida at a certain point. You know, I was kind of eyes wide open, I was really enjoying, you know, I entered Boston, and I was just I had opportunities for me. And you're like, the whole time that I was in dental school, you kept saying to me, oh, I can't wait for you to figure it out. can't wait for you to figure it out. I need help. I'm overwhelmed. Right. And then all of a sudden, like late 97, 98, and I'm about to come
1: out, you, you give me a different tone. Like, I hope I'm busy enough for you. I'm like, what the? <laughs> well, things started slowing down for some. I don't remember exactly what happened with right. the economy, but I was like very, very busy, very busy, extremely busy. I was seeing like forty patients a day, yeah, all point. fee for service, never met with all, any insurance. Nope, never did, and I was probably the only provider in Delray that did not accept insurance. Right. I mean, I was dealing with uh, patients who were very insurance driven, and and I didn't, you know, entertain uh, doing any insurance dentistry Yeah. And the practice just grew and grew. It was- so I, I joined you, and it, I'd say the first, like,
0: I don't know, eight years were really tough. Um, the first, right out of the gate, it was really good. It was great to have you there. And it was, um, you were really impressed with my education at Tufts. I remember you saying that, like, how, how much I didn't do a GPR, I came right out. Um, I joined the Seattle Study Club, and I started learning a lot, you know, getting into FMR and stuff like that. And it was, it was tough because, you know, the lack of technology, you know, the appointment book, the way, what, what really inspired me, actually, I don't know if I ever told you this to become a dentist, was that when you had your old office, remember you did two different offices in the same building, the first office was really dated, it was very 70s. And then, like somewhere in when I was in college, you redid the office and you moved next door, you know, in the same building. And that kind of, like, lit a spark in me, like, oh, wait, dentistry could be totally different. Like, so I conflated dentistry and your Brady Bunch 1970s office as one. You know, and then when you went to the new space, I was like, it lit a spark in me for what? Maybe dentistry could be totally different. You can, you know, do anything you want. And when I came in, right at probably, like, year three, four, I was really anxious to do stuff. So I was probably, like, what, 31, 32? Yeah. But, you know, the the mechanics of the practice, the mom and and everybody there, we really didn't have an ability to um, relinquish the control to allow me to do it. I, I understand, like, it was very difficult because every time I would suggest doing something, it felt like a personal attack. Like, what do you mean we're not doing it? You know, like, it was
1: like a personal attack on you and mom. Like, well, what do you mean? We're not doing it right? I'm like, no, you're doing it right.
0: But things are changing and there's technology and computers. And it was... It was very, very difficult. And what I remember doing during that time was like, okay, I can't really advance my career because I'm kind of stagnant. I can't really, I don't have the control that I would want. Mm-hmm. So I started doing like extracurricular activities. So I was working, you know, we, did, we were at a five every day. I became a pilot, you know, I was channeling all that energy into other things I became a private pilot flying all the time. And then it really kind of got up to a boiling point when when I met Sysha. Because when I met Saisha you know, two thousand five, my wife, I remember talking to her, and she was we, we got we were getting serious and talking about the future, and I found out what she makes per year, and when she told me what she made per year, it was like triple what I was making, and I got so insecure. Well, i do not ever told you that, but yeah, yeah. I was like super super insecure, because like you know, like one of the things is you know you know as a man, you want to be able to provide, and instantly I felt like outclassed. And that created a lot of angst that was like saying, okay, I got to get, I got to do better. And frankly speaking, you know, for better, or for worse, there was no possible way for me to make more money at our practice. You know, there was nothing I could do. So it was like, I got to a point like where it's like, okay, either I'm going to go out and buy that practice in Miami or something or, um, but I knew I, I couldn't have, you know, a, 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 an opportunity that wasn't going to be able to be scalable. and. I think through all that, we were, you know, one of the things that I, that happened from it, because it was a contentious time was fighting, yeah. there was a lot of slamming doors, and even then, the, you know, because Tiffany was there sometimes, she could know we were arguing and stuff like that, because um, it was a lot, I think, as the, as the father, and I see this a lot, it's a very big thing when you let a child come in, because it, it means, it's like. It's a, it's a, it's an existential thing of like, okay, where's my relevance? What am I supposed to do? And I, I we handled it, you know. In hindsight, after all the, after all the contention, kind of uh, the boiling point simmered down. It was a really beautiful thing. Um, and I wanna, I wanna kind of distill down for the listener what it was. So, on my end, Michael, my best friend Michael, Michael, my yeah. Nora said to me, "Hey, De- hey, hey, Craig." Your dad's, I don't know, at the time you were, what, 65 or something? Yeah. Right? 60-something? In
1: 98? Yeah. No, no, 2006. Yeah, 2006. Yeah, it's probably like, yeah, you know, I was born in 41, so 66. Yeah, 66, yeah. 65, 65. So I remember
0: him telling me, this is like, hey, Craig, hey, because you and Joe are the same age. By the way, happy early birthday, yeah. Joe's yeah. birthday." Hey, yesterday. Yeah. He called me up, he's like, Craig, you're can. You can, you're fighting with your dad a lot and our dads are at this age in their 60s where like one day you can pick up the phone something catastrophic is happening and he says, you don't want to fight with your father and get in a, you know, and then have something happen and you don't want to like, you know, you don't want that on you. You don't want to ever have that level of discord with a family member, especially someone that's getting older. And I remember that it shifted from that. I'm like, I'm just not going to fight anymore. I just don't want, I mean, obviously we've argued then nothing's perfect, but I didn't want it to get to that level. And uh, now looking back on it, like I look at our transition of like, I actually can see pretty clearly that, I bet you would agree that if we didn't do this, if we didn't take it, that you probably would have disconnected. You know, like I think we, I think what we were able to do in hindsight was extend your career. I mean, look, you're, you know, you're here now, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have the, you have the ability to add value to the practice, um, and, and come and go as you please and still add value and plug in. So the days you're here is great, yes. but you know, you're not really, you don't need to carry so much weight. I see a lot of dentists that partner with their family and the dad, the dad wants to slow down, but there's no other way to replace the revenue. So. It's hurting the practice. They're like cranking it down, and everybody's stressed out because dad doesn't want to really. Dad or mom, I right? want a girl on my mastermind. Her dad won't. Her dad wants to maintain the ability to practice four days a week, but what doesn't want, and then sometimes takes off months at a time, so she can't replace him to keep the revenue up. So it was cool that we were able to scale it and and provide that. So there's no resentment. Like if you want to work five days, great, I love it. Because I love seeing you. But if you want to work one day a month, that's cool too. So we would not have been able to do that, I
1: don't think. You know, I I also came to the conclusion that you had some amazing ideas for your home practice and the things that you were trying to do to create something that was really special. And after a while, I realized that that was a very good thing and it was a very smart thing to do that. So I don't think you thought it was good or smart at that time, though. I think you just said... I it gotta evolved. Gotta. It evolved. I think
0: evolved. you just kind of said, like, I've got to... It was more... It was like more binary. You had to feel like you had to do something. I don't think at the time you're like, this is going to work out great. I think you're like, I'm going to let it go, and it could totally fuck up. I really do think you thought that. At least wow. I I didn't really. I had, I had tremendous faith in your ability
1: just i just felt that you were going to do well i felt really? that, yeah i did i felt that, <laughs> I, know, I know i know you didn't have you may have not had the same feeling that i had but yeah. i just felt that you had a great idea a great uh, perspective of what the practice could be and you know eventually i just you know felt i'm going to let you
0: run with it so let's go all the way forward let's fast forward like towards the next level so it was in this office at this desk remember that day right so we build the building you know i had this idea to build this massive building thirteen thousand square feet you know millions of dollars five six million i can't remember and um i don't know if you know this part but um i probably didn't tell you this but um so the bank was sold during the process of the building being built so it was was, on a certain bank and they got sold and so when the building, I had a construction loan and my payments were like five grand a month. But when you get certificate of occupancy, and it converts from construction to permanent. Right. So we got our CO in December. So in January, I'm expecting my first real payment is going to go from five thousand to thirty-five thousand. Did you know this? Yeah. And so I'm We're moving in in December. Right. And. I know that I have a $35,000 mortgage payment and I know I have like 60 in the bank and payroll at that time was like 50. Did I tell you any of this? Oh yeah, this gets pretty bad. So I had a, a legal pad next to the, my bed at night and I had a list of names, like Michael and all these different people after John that I was going to borrow money from to keep it all afloat. And I was I didn't want to tell you this because I needed to be upset or scared. But um, I was pretty sure I was going to go broke and go out of business. So you didn't know this, but uh, I'm in this room. And I always get emotional. when I talk about it, so I won't, I won't get emotional now because I don't want everybody to hear this one. I think I'm over it now. So I can process it. But I'm sitting there, and you're walking around the office, and you hear me crying.
1: Remember? Yes, I do. Can you kind of go on with the rest of it? We were We were actually... We were standing in the hallway just outside your office, and you were like really, really scared. I could see it. And i all I did was I gave you a hug, and I said, You'll be fine. Everything will be fine. This was a great idea. It's going to be fine. I didn't know the details of what you just told me. And if I had known the details, I might have had a different conversation. <laughs> No. But, but I Not had a feeling you know, I had a feeling well
0: you you were hugging me and I was crying more and you said to me I'll work for free remember you said that? yeah oh, I, you know, it would, would no, have been no problem you said I will produce and I'll work for free and will make this work and then because I remember the feeling going into it like why the hell would I do this and then through that moment I'm like oh I did it for us for our legacy for as like a testament to like dentistry and all the stuff you created. And it was really really a defining moment. Um, And then the rest of the story, it gets pretty good here. So since the bank got sold, January 4th comes along and I don't get the bill. I get a $5,000 bill. That's interesting. I guess the paperwork has not been settled. Pay the $5,000 bill. So February comes along, I'm expecting 35 plus 35, they're gonna hit me 70. I get a $5,000 bill. February comes along. I'm expecting now they're going to reconcile 105. And now I have like 90 in the bank. You know, but I feel a little bit better. Yeah. And they send me a $5,000 bill. And they keep doing that all the way through October. So I got, through the grace of God or an error or whatever, a $350,000 float. (laughs) You didn't know this? No. In October, I finally called the bank because Michael said, don't call them. Let them, you know. Don't worry. And October, they finally catch up and they send me my first payment, thirty-five thousand dollar request. So I had paid five thousand a month, and I should have been paying thirty-five. So to be accurate, it's a three hundred thousand dollar mistake in my favor, and that was the only space I needed to go from failure to success. Wow. That's amazing. Now you know I was crying. <laughs> I can see what I would be crying. We both would have been crying. Yeah. That'd be a lot of free work done. <laughs> That's right. Well, I had no reservations about doing that. Yeah, they isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get down uh, some takeaways because I know your time's limited. What are the things that you would. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of young dads that are listening to this podcast and they're going to tell their fathers that they're working with, you know. Um, to listen to this and they can listen to you and I want you to t- speak to the fathers of those dentists male and female you know what what are the things that you can tell them in retrospect after working with your son for 25 years and you're got 50 some odd years of dentistry Yeah, 55 55 years of dentistry what are like the top things you could tell those fathers
1: well they're contemplating having the children come If you have a very motivated child that's in dentistry, I would encourage them to the fullest extent. And, uh, you know, trust your gut and go with it and let them take off i mean when patients would ask me how it felt to have you know your son running the practice i said well when i when craig actually took over the practice i felt like i was hanging on to the wing of a jet plane because things were moving so quickly technology computers People. people the people the 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 what the treatment we were providing. Yeah, they just quit- stopped doing amalgam, remember that, you were so, and then it went up no, great I, for you. Yeah, I felt that that was a good move, you
0: know, I, I thought that was good. But like your production went up, because you couldn't do those big old emote, everything had to become
1: indirect to crowns. Yeah, crowns. Your personal production went up. Yep, yeah, we had to do crowns instead of giant amalgams, which I was very accustomed to doing. But, uh, you know, I had tremendous faith in Craig and I just felt that it was going to go well. And, And the bottom line is just trust your gut and go with it. And, you know, at some point in time, you got to just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you would have done differently? No. Actually, in retrospect, looking back at all these, you know, the transition that we had, the difficult times, it was really well worth it because at this point in my life, I probably would not have been able to work because I couldn't really
0: have a practice with the technology that we have here to make crowns in one day. And so yeah, I mean, you can't I mean, say that you'd be, you wouldn't know any different. So you'd be, you know, like Marshall, well, and that's his full name, but you know, Marshall down the street.
1: He has a very, you know, traditional seventies practice. And not, you don't know what you don't know. You know, yeah, the patient's demand more sophisticated yeah. services now. I mean, but you would have slowed down and your demand would have slowed down. So you would
0: have had a, just a different career. One thing that I know about you is you're a social person. You love being my people and all the people that you've met, you know, all the team that you've with from Vanessa to like Sam Wagner. You trained Erica. Erica run for the whole place. Now she started yeah. off as your assistant and seeing the pride of, and joy of seeing her evolve. You know, you have all these fingerprints, but as it became a dentist because of you. So I think it's like when we think about the patient care that we do, it's the relationships that bring us the most amount of fulfillment. And I do agree that the relationships have been expanded because of it. But people have less left, too. Some of your friends have left because they wanted the same, you know, some of our friends have not come, they don't come here anymore. Yeah. I know that always bothers you. It It never bothers me. It bothers me. It shouldn't. Yeah. You know, like, I think that if you try to be a practice for everyone, it's, you're not going to win you want to be. You know, like, I went to that cardiologist you sent me to, you know, and I walked in there I was all, I mean, he's a great guy, don't get me wrong, but his technology, his office is falling apart. I'm like, damn. <laughs> you know, so
1: everybody has a different, you know, demand. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of demand for high-end dentistry today. I can see that. Yeah, more than ever before. i never believed it, you know, like, that- the, pay, the patients are demanding. Even in England, I mean, which was basically socialized dental care, patients are demanding more sophisticated services, and they're paying for it. Yeah. Because the insurance, the insurance will not cover it. Yeah. So dentistry has changed drastically in the last fifty years. Better or worse today? Much better. Good for you. Much better. I mean, the best it's ever been. Well, as of right now, I mean, when I went to dental school, we didn't have implants. You know, nobody did full mouth reconstruction. It wasn't really, you know, you treated one tooth at a time. What would you say to the dentist that tells their son and daughter, don't become a dentist? No, i that's a great injustice. I see that in medicine, too. I mean, all the physicians that I know, not all of them, but most of them tell their kids not to go into medicine.
0: And And why do you think, why would you... telling somebody that's possibly in college right
1: now think about dental school why would you tell that person to go become a dentist why i think dentistry is an amazing profession i mean it's it's done well for me and i think what you can do for patients is just over the top amazing yeah because you can just you can yeah i I look at all these people who have facelifts and what kinds of plastic surgery but nothing does the same thing as Redoing their mouth, of course, beautiful teeth. I mean, I see people who have facelifts, uh, you know, and they have they're missing teeth, and and they think that the facelift does it all. But it's really what you do to your teeth that makes it. So you know, what Dan, I'm listening to you. You're speaking
0: from an interesting place. You you are speaking from a dentist that has done and watches a lot of full mouth reconstruction. So there's a lot of dentists that will spend their entire career and never do more than two or three crowns in a quadrant. So you have a unique perspective of dentistry, like I do. But like
1: you're, you've invested, you took, you know, through experience and courses and work,
0: and you you went to photography way back in the '80s. You had that book of photos. Yeah. So like you know, I, if I can distill down your message, it's like invest in yourself, get do bigger cases. You know what I mean? Like you always used to tell people, don't ever prejudge a patient. Right. They don't. That people. Deserve to hear all their options. Absolutely, so you never, and you do tell me that. And other doctors here, like, don't tell them
1: about just the one tooth. Tell them about the whole thing. Yeah, I once went to a lecture, and it was a pretty large group of dentists, and the uh, the speaker was talking to us about what what dollar amount do you feel comfortable talking to patients about? Uh, is it ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand? And most of the dentists were very uncomfortable talking to patients about numbers when it got up in the higher ranges. And I never felt uncomfortable because everyone deserves to have the best. If they can't afford it, then we can, you know, avoid. Yeah, prejudge them. Yeah, but you should never do that. Never. Yeah. I learned that very early on in my career, fortunately, and it, it taught me a lesson that I would never forget.
0: So funny enough, I had a podcast with another dentist. Um, his name's Chris Ramsey. It was like a couple of weeks ago, and you know he was shocked that I asked the question, "Do you love your smile?" to patients. And by the way, if they have a really ugly, crowded, you know, smile with broken teeth, and they tell me I love my smile, I tell them me too. But if they say no, I don't love my smile, I ask them why, and why, and why, and well, what, you, what would, you know if you had a magic wand, well, I get rid of all these fucking the crowns, and he was like shocked. I say that he, he was shocked. I'm like, he's like that's ridiculous. That's like you going into a bar and the bartender saying, "Like, do you like your shirt?" That's total <laughs> bullshit. That's not the same. No, it's not the same. Not the same. We, yeah. It's incumbent upon us because we have the tools that they don't know we have. Yeah. How many times have the patient over your career said, "I had no idea you could do this," or "Had I known, I would have done it sooner," or "You know, it's like you and Invisalign. How long were I, was I on you for Invisalign?" A long time. And then finally, like, don't you wish you did it sooner? Yeah, I do. And you're a dentist. Yeah. So I, I just think um, it's interesting that there's a dialogue out there that tells people that you should practice a certain way. And, you know, at every dental office, and I have the privilege of going to so many, they're so different. Dad. They're so different. I'm sure. each one is so different. But, um, you know, I'm appreciative of all that I've learned from you. And um, There's a lot of people talk about privilege in life, you know. That there's a lot of different privileges. Not to get political, but the greatest privilege a person could have is father privilege. When you have a man that you grew up in the house for a young man or a young woman that does the right thing, um, has high character, great work ethic, it just sets somebody up in life. And I think that's one thing that I'm gifted that you were able to do that for me. And. Uh, yeah, it's it's if if I'm proud of myself it's because uh I had a dad like you. Thank you. I'm and, proud of you as well. I know you are. And it's just it's cool. And hopefully, I'm doing that with Gavin. He tells me he wants to work in the practice. <laughs> Good for him. Good for him. The dentistry is great. He'll need like a CEO degree, not a dental degree, to cover <laughs> my job. But anyway, um, I know you got to run home now, mom, and do your thing. But just wanted to make sure that uh, we had this podcast recorded because it's really common, yeah. and people are fighting, and uh, it's it's a contentious time when the change of control. I know Uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, but I feel very good about what happened. Yeah, but it's not all. It wasn't all roses and sunshine. So don't beat yourselves up if you're currently fighting with your father or your mother or whatever. It's it's kind of normal, you know. I mean, I look at I have independent children. They fight with me, so Um, I kind of like don't mind a fighter. (laughs) You know what I mean? Because that means they're going to fight for other things, of course. You know, and if you got a passive one, maybe kick their ass a little bit too. (laughs) (laughs) all right dad well thank you well, yeah thank you. give me a hug yeah come take off your headset i going to end this thing love you love you too right, thank you all hope right. you guys enjoyed that if you did drop a like drop a comment or if you have a challenge with your father or your mother let us know i'll point my dad on the comments on youtube and he can add to it as well thanks everybody and uh thanks for listening thanks dad thank you